You're listening to She Said What with your host, Alyssa Harper. Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast. If you have not listened to the podcast before, oh my God, welcome. My name is Alyssa. I am Canadian. I live in Sydney, Australia, about a five minute walk from the beach, and I am passionate about talking about subjects that might seem kind of TMI, kind of too much information, things that maybe people wouldn't really talk about loud enough in public where people could hear them. And that's what I'm passionate about. I love creating conversations and space to talk about sex, sexuality, even relationships and things to do with our bodies that people might not want to uh, might not want to share about themselves, but here I am talking about it. (laughs) I hope you guys love this episode because we are going to be talking about people, maybe you, who struggle to orgasm, which is a very common issue, so much more common than you probably think. And if you're listening to this episode because you clicked on the title and you were like, yep, that's me, I need help in this area, let me just start by saying you are not alone. So we're going to be talking today about things that you can genuinely do to help you get to the point that you can have an orgasm. And we're going to be just talking about orgasms in general and how you can start to view sex in a way that doesn't make this such a life-ending issue for you. And we're just going to talk about it today. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get into it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So as I do in all my episodes, I'll just give you a quick little life update. Honestly, haven't been doing that much. I've just been kind of working. I'm going to be starting my training to become a Pilates instructor in a few weeks, which did get pushed back a little bit, but that's okay. It's going to be fine. It's all going to come to fruition eventually. And that's where I have my mindset at right now. Um, Today, I had a really good day, actually. I was literally at the beach for like three, four hours. I was reading the whole time and I'm reading this amazing book that was actually a resource that I gave in the last podcast. Um, It's called In the Flow. It's by Alyssa Vitti. And it was introduced to me by Ellie Blanco, who came into the last podcast and she spoke about periods and cycle syncing. She's a a period coach. And if you guys haven't heard the episode, you need to listen to it. Like it blew my mind. Everything she spoke about, like I have actually genuinely been applying and learning more and more about. And it is shocking. I literally, I made a TikTok today talking about it and it it just hit 10,000 views, which like not that that's crazy, but I'm just saying people are learning about this and people are so shocked. People are wondering, especially women, obviously are wondering why they don't know this information. And they are just like responding. Like I just got a whole bunch of comments literally in the last hour of girls being like, please, can you talk more about this? Can you explain this? How can I do this? How can I support my cycle? Like people want to know, and this is the future. If you aren't getting into cycle syncing and understanding your body as a woman, you're going to be behind. (laughs) Like you got to get on it. Um, and it's really, it's just for you. It's for you to help 
support your body and to optimize in all the different areas in your life. It, it's been so beautiful reading this book and, and enjoying it. So I'll leave that in the resources today just if you guys are interested as well. But yeah, been reading that book and that's basically it. I'm. It's actually 6 p.m. right now recording this. Um, and Sam, my husband, is out of the house and that's kind of nice because I'm just chilling at night. I'm going to like sit down and watch RuPaul's Drag Race and just RuPaul's Drag Race. Is that the reason I, I'm hesitating on the name of that is because I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, which is the Australia version, which is just hilarious. Um, anyways, so I'm going to be watching that tonight. Just going to be chilling out. I'm very excited. But before I chill out tonight, I wanted to talk to you guys about not being able to orgasm because this is a big issue. Like I said in my little intro, this is a common issue. I've had many, many conversations with women about this. And firstly, I just want to know when I say women, I'm talking about vulva owners. If you don't identify as a woman or you're non-binary or you identify as a man, but you have a vulva and this is a conversation where we are talking about mainly, I'm going to be talking about women's anatomy and vulva owners anatomy then you are included. Please do not feel excluded um, by the term woman. So we are going to be talking about that today. Really, the purpose of this is honestly to, first of all, make you just feel like you are not alone and to help you understand that it's okay. Like this, is, this isn't this is just you. Secondly, to give you tools to work through this because there are reasons why you might not be able to orgasm and it's okay. Um, when you struggle in this area, one of the main issues, like one of the, I would say one of the biggest issues is how it makes you feel. Like if you struggle to orgasm, you feel flawed, you feel broken. You feel like, you know, maybe like you're behind. If you've never had an orgasm, you might feel like you're behind or it's embarrassing. It's like, you know, people almost really feel embarrassed by this and you don't need to feel those things. You don't need to feel embarrassed. Like, According actually to recent studies, and I, I did have this written down to share with you guys, about 10 to 15% of women report that they have never had an orgasm. Who would have thought 10 to 15% of women have never had an orgasm? And surveys also suggest that up to one half of women, one half, 50% of women are not satisfied with how often they reach orgasm. So you might be listening to this podcast, not because you've never had an orgasm, but maybe you just really struggle to orgasm and you're like, what the hell is this normal? Am I the only one who's finding this like really hard to do? So this is also for you. If you feel embarrassed and alone, you are not alone. And that is something I really, really, really want to like ingrain into you by the end of this. There are many factors as to why you might not be able to. And a lot of it has to do with potentially your background, your education, what you've been told about sex um, and your body and other things could be actually practical as well. So we're going to start by talking about the myths and the misconceptions that you might have around sex in your body that could be causing this. Number one is that the goal of sex is to orgasm. 
this might seem kind of dumb to you because you might be like, yeah, well, duh, like you have sex so you can have an orgasm. And it's like, oh, like it's a release. It's it's a relief. Like that's what you want. You know, when you see a scene in a movie where there's, you know, people having sex and then you can tell that they've just had their orgasm and it's literally like two seconds later after they've just started and it's this big dramatic thing and they're moaning and they're like, you know, sweating and it's like this whole thing and you're looking at yourself and you're like, why is that not happening for me? Why is it taking me 20 minutes or an hour? Why do I have to use a toy? Why do I have to watch porn? Why do I have to do all these things? We're going to talk about all of that. But I want to first point out that this myth, this is a myth because having an orgasm is not necessarily the goal of sex. And if you've never thought about that before, just take a second to think about that. That maybe the goal of sex is actually to connect with a partner. Maybe the goal of masturbation is to connect with yourself or is to learn more about yourself or is to explore what you might be fantasizing about when you're masturbating so you can start to understand, hmm, what are my fantasies? What interests me? And start to step away and to separate this idea of sex equals orgasm. That's the number one thing that I first wanted to point out. The other thing when we connect having an orgasm and sex together is that if we can't separate the two things and we become hyper-focused on orgasm, we can stress ourselves out to the point that we can't focus on pleasure and arousal. And it's going to be a lot harder to have an orgasm when you're not able to just enjoy pleasure in the moment. Because if you are there in your head saying to myself, okay, I just want to come. I just want to come. This is taking so long. Maybe you're with a partner and you're thinking, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Why is this taking so long? Why isn't it happening? And you're stressing yourself out. Your body is going to respond to that stress. Your body is going to respond to that anxiety. It is not going to be like, oh, I'm so relaxed now. I just want to have an orgasm right now. No, like you're potentially stressing yourself out because you've married these two things together, sex and orgasm. And it's just important to take a second and to realize that those two things don't have to go together. The second myth is this idea that you need to look like or act like someone who is aroused to have an orgasm. What I mean by this is you probably might not realize this, but when you picture in your head someone having an orgasm, you probably picture an image from either a porn video that you would have seen or a movie. And a lot of the time, what we see in porn, as we know, is not accurate to what actual sex looks like. And what we see in movies is never going to be accurate either, of course, because it's a movie. And so it's all staged. There's no communication. Um, you see, it's always really, really funny. Like my husband and I will be watching a TV show or a movie and he'll literally go, oh my God, that's crazy. Why did they make it look like she came in 20 seconds? That's ridiculous. That's so bad for women. Like he's so funny. He like automatically will point these things out. And I'm like, yes, it's good that you know this. I'm very proud of you because it's ridiculous. We see it everywhere and then we feel like we should be that way. Or like I said earlier, we should look a certain way. And so 
often what happens is people really want to have an orgasm and because they already feel so in their head, they feel like they're not doing it right. They just go, I need to, why don't I do the things that I've seen? So they start breathing really heavy. They start like tensing up their muscles. They start moaning. They start like doing things that feel really forced and it can make it worse. It can just make it so much worse, make you feel so much more uncomfortable in your body because you're really separating yourself from what you're actually feeling in that moment. And that's when people just get to the point where they end up kind of faking an orgasm because they just don't want to be in that position anymore because they feel so uncomfortable or embarrassed. And a lot of us have been there. So if you are like, oh, yep, that's me you're not alone. Okay. A lot of people have been there and I get it, but it's a myth. It is a myth. You do not need to look a certain way. You don't need to look like how someone might look in porn. You can look like that. Like maybe you are someone who moans. Maybe you're someone who has a big exhale. Maybe you're someone who does tense up their muscles or arches their back or curls their toes. Like you could do all of those things, you know, but you don't have to do all those things and you don't have to do any of those things or you could do all of them if you want to. It doesn't matter. The point is that you don't have to look a certain way. So if you are trying to orgasm, don't try to get there by feeling like you need to look a certain way. That's kind of the reason of me sharing this. Don't feel like if you mimic someone having an orgasm, you're going to have an orgasm because unfortunately that's not how it works. And I sh I'm saying unfortunately, but really it is something that is good because it means that it gives you a chance to explore what an orgasm looks like for you. And that is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing that you get to learn about yourself. And maybe you might only share with yourself for a certain period of time. And then maybe you get to share that with someone else or multiple people. And that is also such an incredible, incredible gift. Number three somewhat relates to the one I just talked about, but tensing up my muscles equals more intensity. This is actually really common. A lot of people think, oh, if I tense up, if I tense up, if I stop breathing, if I hold my breath, if, oh, if I make it really, really intense, that's actually going to give me this intense, intense feeling, this intense orgasm. And this might also be something that you could be doing subconsciously. It could be like, oh, I feel like I'm going to orgasm and you kind of start, you stop breathing and you start tensing up because you kind of just want it to happen or you're stressing to try to get it to happen. And it's funny because you hear this in workouts all the time. You hear this in fitness classes where the fitness instructor keeps reminding people, don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Because sometimes when you're so focused on working a certain muscle group or you're so focused on doing something a certain way, you just forget your natural bodily functions, which is breathing. And as much as some people do like to do certain things with breath work and using their breath during sex to feel certain things and there's nothing wrong with that. You just want to make sure that you aren't doing it because you are anxiously trying to orgasm. Again, that's why I pointed out there's nothing wrong with doing any of these things that I'm mentioning. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably struggling to orgasm. So it's just worth taking a second and asking myself, okay, when I feel like I'm getting close to having an orgasm, am I doing anything to suddenly block it? Like, holding my breath or tensing up or doing something that's making me actually uncomfortable enough that I need to like 
stop and kind of like reset or change my position or like relax my arm because I'm just, I was going so crazy or I, you know, relax whatever body part I'm tensing up. And sometimes when you do that, it can actually kind of ruin the moment for you because you're really trying to enjoy it, really trying to orgasm. You're like, oh, I'm almost there. And then it's like, oh, I just can't get there because I'm uncomfortable. So something that I would really encourage you guys to do is again, if this is something that you are struggling to do during masturbation, take some time to recognize how am I masturbating? Like, am I, am I doing this with my muscles tensed? Am I doing this holding my breath? Am I doing this in a certain way every time that could be stopping me from being able to orgasm? It can also cause muscle spasms. Again, it can cause muscle pain, like I mentioned. And the last thing you want to do is do that when you masturbate and maybe it's fine a few times and then do it with a partner and then like have a muscle spasm and be like really uncomfortable or like in pain after. That is the last thing you want. So it's important to just start to feel your body, to feel what things you can do with whether you are tensing or breathing or doing whatever and to just feel like what is actually necessary in this moment or what am I just adding potentially because I've seen it in porn or in movies or I've just always done it. You know, it's important to take some time to ask yourself, what am I doing right now? And is it working for me? Another thing I just thought I would point out before I moved on is that muscle tension can be caused by situational things as well. It's not necessarily that you are purposely tensing up your muscles. It can be that maybe you're uncomfortable. For example, if you were masturbating, but you're in like a, a house where other people live and you're scared, what if someone walks in? Or what if I didn't lock the door? Or there's some sort of anxiety that is persisting to make you feel like you might not have that moment just to yourself. The only advice I can really obviously give to that is to try to have a space where you are alone um, where you do feel safe. If you need to take two seconds to get up and go check if you've locked the door, do it because that means that you can come back, you can sit back down or I don't know, maybe you're standing up. I don't know how you, how you're doing it, but whatever you're doing, you can come back and do it and feel really confident that you are actually safe and alone in that moment. So that would be during masturbation. And then maybe with a partner, again, this can go a lot deeper and there's a lot more to this. Um, but you might feel uncomfortable for a number of reasons, but maybe you're just not comfortable with them yet. Maybe you're just holding back. Maybe you're scared to release. And this is a really common one is that, um, people are scared for the faces that they might make or the noises they might make. They might be embarrassed of how they actually normally do come when they are alone. Um, and I will talk a little bit more about that towards the end of this episode. If you struggle to orgasm with a partner, but you're fine when you're alone, we'll talk about that a bit later. But I just thought I would point that out that it does look different, obviously, when you're alone to when you're with a partner. Myth number four is that everyone can come from penetration alone. Nah, sorry, not true. 75% of women cannot orgasm without clitoral stimulation. Your clitoris has one purpose biologically, and that purpose is pleasure. So use it. Use it. It is true, okay? A lot of women, and when I say a lot, I mean 75% of women can literally not orgasm without having some sort of stimulation for their clitoris. And if you feel like it's embarrassing or you should be able to do it with just that motion of something entering in and out of your vagina, 
it might just not happen. It might just not be happening for you. Look, maybe you're a part of the 25% that can, but I know I sure am not. And that's perfectly fine. You have to be able to explore, to try things, to feel where you might be a little bit more sensitive. And it's going to be different person to person. Your inner thighs might feel better to the backs of your thighs. And then for the next person, it might be my, I like when they touch my pubic mound, but I actually don't like when they touch like right on my clitoris because it's too sensitive. Some people like one side more than the other side when it comes to touching around the area it it is so different person to person and that's why I really want to encourage you to take time to explore these things and that's why going back to point one it's actually really good if you can try to masturbate and to not and to try not to orgasm like to try to literally not orgasm for a longer period of time to not rush it to actually give yourself time sometimes people will even set timers like they'll set maybe a 20 minute timer. They'll say, I'm going to masturbate for this whole time. If I orgasm, I'm still going to keep going and I'm going to still keep enjoying pleasure, even though I'm not working towards an orgasm. Some people will say, I'm, you know, I'm going to do it for 20 minutes. And if I don't orgasm in that time, I am not going to keep going and stressing myself out and like making myself feel bad. I'm literally just going to stop at that 20 minute timer and that's going to be it. And I'm going to realize that I actually did just connect with myself and I actually did just experience pleasure. And there were a lot of beautiful things in that moment. And this can be something that needs to be a practice for you. And it might be something that you want to do like once a week or every few days. I don't know how keen you are to get going on this, but however you feel this is going to work for you, setting out time like that and being intentional about it and actually like feeling for what you might be enjoying and testing things out and testing the waters and doing that alone or with a partner. It can be really cool to try it with a partner as well. Like what a beautiful chance for you to grow with someone as well. Of course, very vulnerable thing, but also a very beautiful thing, depending on what that relationship looks like with that person. Of course, if you trust them and you feel like this is a good person for you to do this with, then do it with them. That's amazing. But I just wanted to point out that you are not alone for needing different types of stimulation, especially clitoral stimulation. So use it. Use it, baby. Saying all of this, there are, of course, other reasons why you might not be able to orgasm. You could literally be experiencing pain just by touching down there. Um, you could be experiencing pain during penetration, which is making it so not enjoyable to the point that an orgasm just doesn't even feel like it's in reach. Which, by the way, if you are experiencing pain during sex, even during masturbation, that is something you want to work through. Um, pain during sex is very, very normalized for women in our society. And there is this overarching theme that women are just destined to feel pain because of pain during childbirth and a lot of just women not being considered through medical research. And I could go on and on about this, but if you are experiencing pain during sex, you don't need to be experiencing pain. You don't need to be going through with it. You don't need to be giving your partner sex and it is not normal to be experiencing pain every time you are having sex. Again, it's normal in the sense of a lot of women actually do struggle with it, but it's not normal in the sense of it's it's not healthy and 
there are a lot of things that you can do to work towards not having pain during sex, which I, I also actually have a podcast about if you guys um, are interested in hearing about that or if that's a struggle for you. I just thought I would mention that. But there are other things that can affect your ability to orgasm um, and these can be physical ailments. And this might be something that you want to go see a gynecologist about. It could be a hormonal issue. Um, it could also be related to trauma, um, previous assault, sexual assault. Um, and again, even if it's with the trauma and you potentially have actually gone through therapy, you've done healing, you've done things, your body does remember traumas and there is really strong research to back this up. Um, your body can remember traumas almost better than your brain can even after healing. And so again, if you have a history of some sort of sexual assault or even assault in general that you think could be getting in the way of this, it would be so worth your time going to go see um, a sexologist or a sex therapist whichever, whichever one you would call them, um, a sexologist or a sex therapist and talking to them about that issue. And then potentially they might want to refer you out, but it's definitely important that I recognize through this podcast that yes, you can do all these things. You can have these conversations and you can take time for yourself and you can do all the self-care stuff, but there are also physical ailments that might be in your way. And of course, at that point, please go see a doctor, um, after you have done the things that you feel like you can do to try to solve it on your own. Another thing that I wanted to mention, which kind of relates back to something I actually said before um, in point two of one of the myths is needing to feel like you have to look a certain way or do a certain thing. Um, you might not realize it, but you might be putting yourself in the same literally physical position every time you go to masturbate. For example, you might sit down every time. Um, you might every time be in the bath. You might every time be in your bed. Um, you might every time be, I don't know, laying on your stomach. Like sometimes you might actually put yourself in a position because it's familiar, but not necessarily because it is the best for you. And people do this all the time because being sexual and opening up to yourself, to the sexual part of yourself, to yourself, especially, or to somebody else can feel very intimidating. And it, it can be, you know, very, can make you feel very insecure. And when people are comfortable in a certain position and they've orgasmed before in a certain position, sometimes their mind just goes, Ooh, I want to orgasm. Let's go back and sit in that position. Let's go back and do that thing but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best way for you to be trying to orgasm. And so I just thought I would mention this, that it's really great if you can try to switch up your routine, try to switch things up, try to see, you know, maybe, maybe the problem is, is, is not that I, you know, I'm not doing it right. Maybe I'm just not seeing myself right. Like maybe I need to see myself to see what I'm touching. Maybe I'm not like, super flexible. And I feel like I can't touch down there in the way I want to, or, you know, maybe I just, I can't really, I can't really see things like, you know, maybe the way your skin is the way your vagina is you, you can't really see what you're doing. Maybe you need to sit in front of a mirror. Like, I know that might seem weird to you right now, but that might actually be really great for you. Or maybe like, because you're so tense and you're in your bed and you're just like stressing out, maybe being in the bath would be great for you. So try 
different positions, try different um, areas, like different, you know, different rooms, maybe in your house, if you have that liberty, um, you know, or if you're home alone, I don't know, maybe check that the windows are closed. I don't know, maybe, you know, be a little safe about it, but try to move around, see what you can do to change the physical environment and to change your position and to change the situation to be able to shake things up a little bit. That was just a little like bonus tip I wanted to throw in there before I move on on to talking about the difference between having an orgasm alone, so masturbating, or having an orgasm with a partner. Again, as is a lot of these things I'm talking about, it's very, very common for people to struggle with being able to orgasm perfectly fine on their own, but then they're with a partner and it's like, I can just not do it. I cannot get myself to do it. I can't get myself to relax. I can't get myself to release. And when another person is involved, it, it completely changes things. The relationship, especially that you have with that person will absolutely affect the sex that you have with that person. And for healthy, safe, and pleasurable sex with a partner, there needs to be communication, um, trust. There is likely going to be a lot of vulnerability involved and it really, it just adds layers and layers. And so if, if that's you, like, I understand, like I hear you. It totally makes sense that you would be comfortable on your own and you wouldn't care, you know, the faces you make on your own or how you might twitch or be, I don't know, doing something that you probably think is weird on your own. And then you're scared to show someone that because that's a very, very intimate part of you. And it's interesting because I grew up quite religious and a lot of people that grow up religious, they really see sex as like a, a bad thing to do before you're married. Or even if they're okay with sex before marriage, they still feel very guarded about themselves sexually. Like, oh, giving that part of myself away. You know, that's the kind of terminology you use or um, giving it up to someone or, you know, going that far. And it, you know, obviously virginity and it's a, it's a whole issue of like that the terminology used around Christians talking about sex a lot of the time is very negative because it it makes you assume certain things about sex before you even realize it. Like you really start to see um, like a lot of value on something like virginity. So then maybe you do have sex with someone and then it's like, oh, I've lost my virginity when in reality you've just had your first sexual experience. Um, and it's really interesting now looking back now that I am pretty much out of that world, I can see how much certain words and certain ways that sex was talked about had affected me. Um, and I just think it's important to just share about that a little bit on here, just so you guys can see if you did come from that background as well, it potentially is a big trigger and a big factor as to why you might not be comfortable with a partner because there might be a lot more kind of shame in there. So that is a big one that I will start off with is kind of mentioning shame. And the fact that shame can obviously create a really tough place for you to try to enjoy sex out of, obviously. Um, if you feel ashamed of your body, you feel ashamed of the acts that you are doing. I want to say committing because I'm literally hearing words that I heard growing up. Um, and, you know, you're you're giving yourself away. That cannot make you feel very comfortable at all. So I thought I would mention that. Again, not all of you are Christians, so we're not going to talk about that forever, but I just thought I would throw that in there. Um, I want to go through just a few quick points talking about ways that you can combat this issue of being comfortable on your own, but not with a partner. Number one is 
maybe you can show them. This is actually so valuable. And this is something that when I first heard this, I was like, I don't know. I don't know because it looks weird and I'm weird and I don't want him to think I'm gross or I, I don't know. I'm not doing it right. I don't want him to think I've just, I don't know. I'm different. There's so many things that you might think about yourself, but I am telling you, there's nothing wrong. A lot of the time you will be shocked at how your partner will actually really enjoy being led into that space and even be turned on by it and really enjoy watching you do that because it does feel very, very intimate. And so again, number one is show them what you like or talk them through it. Um, whatever makes you comfortable. Some people would prefer to say, oh, can you touch here? Can you go a little bit higher? Can you go a little bit faster? Can you do, you know, this specific thing. Some people they're like, oh gosh, I find it so hard to talk about, but maybe I could show them. If you are hearing me say both these things and you're like, I can't do either. I could not imagine me doing either. Another way is mutual masturbation. And mutual masturbation is amazing because it's, if it's just you showing them something on your body, you might really feel like a front stage, like front center stage, like, oh my gosh, like this is all eyes on me. But if they're also doing it to themselves and they're also masturbating, it actually gives you a chance to feel like, okay, we are equals. This is happening together. I don't need to feel like he's just watching me or they're just watching me. I can, you know, we can both watch and learn from each other and also be turned on and also also both enjoy this experience. And so I, I just, like I was going to say, I, I love mutual masturbation, but I, what I mean by that is I always recommend mutual masturbation because it is, it is really just a good place for you guys to learn, um, and to watch each other and to see from each other and to potentially like automatically literally be like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy that you do that. I had no idea. Like, look, you are touching yourself so much softer than I normally touch you, or you are going so much slower than I normally go. Like, I didn't realize that I can actually slow down and you're still going to enjoy it. It is so good. So good. I recommend it hundred percent. Number two is educate them. And Showing them obviously is one thing. Actually genuinely educating them is another thing. I know people will joke about men like not even knowing what a clit is. Like he doesn't even know where my clit is. Like people will make jokes about this. But if they genuinely don't know, like this isn't their fault. This is due to a lack of sex education and shaming someone for not having a certain knowledge is never the right way to teach them. They may not know, for example, that you have increased sensitivity in certain areas. Like I mentioned earlier, your pubic mound, your inner thighs, whatever. And it may be different from one person to the next. And if you're with someone and they've had previous sexual partners and you have maybe as well, you can't assume that they're going to love the thing that you've done with someone else because everyone is different. And it, that's, that is a little bit of like a, not a gray area, but like a little bit of a hard conversation sometimes because sometimes people just do things that their past partners have liked. And, and I mean, it makes sense. You learn from experience, but you need to be able to communicate being, to be able to say, Hey, to be honest, um, 
I love that you can do it that fast if I want that, but I actually don't want it that fast or I don't want it that hard or I don't want it that soft or I don't want it um, in that way or in that spot. I actually want this and being able to educate them like, this is my body and this is what I like and helping them learn you again. Like it's such a beautiful thing. It is such a, an incredible moment that you get to share with someone and for them to be able to experience you in that way, in that vulnerable position potentially. Um, and I say vulnerable because a lot of people feel that way, but maybe even for you in an empowered way, you might feel during sex, very empowered, very strong for them to be able to share that moment with you where you are like really in your strength and you feel really empowered like that is powerful that is so beautiful and if you could educate them and make that experience better for you and them it's amazing it's amazing because not only do you receive something that you enjoy and potentially have an orgasm which doesn't have to be the goal but you know of course you get to enjoy they also feel empowered because they feel like they have the tools to give you pleasure. And you're actually doing them a service as well because you're making them feel good about themselves because they feel like, heck yeah, like I'm an adequate partner. I'm like a, I'm a really good sexual partner for this person. Like I am really good at giving them, giving to them. And that is empowering for them as well. Number three is communicate when you like something. The reason this is different to what I was just saying is because As much as you might say, oh, like, I really like this. Let's try this. Or this is how I masturbate. They might then try to do it like you just did. And it might not feel the same. And you might be like, look, that's not quite it. Uh, You're trying your best. And I appreciate that. But that's not quite it. So you need to communicate and communication is always hard. It's always hard, regardless of the situation. It's just sometimes communicating. You don't know what words to say. You don't want to offend them. You don't want to sound needy. A lot of the time women feel like they really just don't want to ask for too much. They feel like they need so much more than their male partners. Again, this is speaking specifically to straight couples, but women often feel like, oh, it's so easy for a man to come, but it takes me so much more. Like I feel bad for that. But of course you should not feel bad for that. It is such a cool thing that you are letting them even into that space in the first place, but communicate what you like. So maybe for example, you might be someone that when you like something, you start to breathe heavier or you moan, you know, or you, you kind of start to do something like that but the clearer you can communicate it to them, the better. So obviously, you know, breathing heavier, that's a bit of a cue to them. Moaning, maybe if that feels comfortable to you and you like it and you enjoy moaning, that would be great. Or telling them you like it even after sex would be so great, would be like so, so great. Because again, it's what I said before, it's equipping them, it's making them feel confident. It's taking a second to be like, hey, that was so good, I loved this. And it's it's making them feel really positive and confident about having sex with you. And you may, you might not realize that they could be anxious as well, they could be nervous as well. And if you can make it easier for them to make you enjoy it, they're going to love that. And if someone is anxious, this is the other thing as well. If someone is anxious and they are trying to see how they are standing, or maybe they're, you know, they're performing like oral on you and they're hoping that they're doing it well enough. 
they might not be listening for your breathing patterns. They might be so focused and anxious about what they're doing that they're not listening to hear that you are like starting to slightly quietly moan under your breath. Like it's really great if you can actually just say to them like, hey, by the way, that thing that you were doing with your tongue, loved it, loved it. Like just having those conversations, so important. Number four is talk to your partner about sex outside of the bedroom. Again, I kind of just mentioned this, but this is like, this is really important because in the moment, it's one thing to be like a little bit higher, you know, that's great. But if you can afterwards say specifically what you liked, if afterwards outside of the situation where nerves might be a little bit higher, where things might be a little bit more, you know, maybe you're both a little sweaty or anxious or like trying to work towards an orgasm or, you know, you have everyone brings their past, you know, traumas and whatever into the bedroom and, and that can make emotions obviously like run very high. If, if you can have that conversation when things are settled, when you guys are having a nice conversation, when you have time to talk is another one. If you have enough time that you can actually have the conversation, talk about it. And this is especially if you are in a position where you are not orgasming and you're unhappy about it. If in your mind, you are seeing this as a negative thing and you have a partner who either doesn't know that you haven't actually been having orgasms because you've been faking it, which I'm not ashaming you for because it's a very natural response to what you are likely experiencing right now. Like you might, they might not know that you have been experiencing this this whole time. And if you've been spending all this time thinking, I just can't have an orgasm. They're not doing it right. We're just not connecting. You might be starting to feel frustrated with them or at them or angry at them. And the problem with this is they might have no idea what's going on. So if you were to sit them down and be like, Hey, by the way, just, you know, that's it. I need to tell you I've been faking it. You're not very good. I'm not liking this. This isn't working it's very obviously very, very negative and you're not working towards any solution. And you're actually putting yourself in a worse off position because you just went from having sex with someone who is at least trying to, in you know, in your faking orgasms and whatever, to now you have someone in front of you who probably doesn't even maybe want to have sex anymore because they're feeling so not confident in themselves because they might feel judged. And so you want to be really careful that if you're going to sit down and try to have this conversation outside of being in the bedroom that you are willing to say very gently, hey, this is how I've been feeling. I've been really struggling to genuinely have an orgasm. Um, I have actually faked it or maybe you haven't faked it. Maybe you can just say, you know, as you can tell, I haven't been having an orgasm and, and I want to, and I want to work towards it together and here are maybe the things that I think I need for that to happen. Or maybe I think it's this thing in our relationship. You want to communicate to them how you are feeling in a way that leads the two of you forward together. Of course, if that's your goal. So when you're frustrated again, this can be hard. So try to prepare for the conversation. Really think about what you want to say. Again, the last thing you want to do is make them feel anxious or judged. And it's just again about communicating 
talking to them and doing it when you have time, you are in a, a space that is, you can actually have the conversation, like you're alone, obviously. Um, you aren't going to be interrupted is another really important note. Um, and just just making sure that you are, you are as gentle as possible because especially if you are a woman listening to this podcast and you are dating a man just because he is a man doesn't mean that he is this confident alpha sex male like no okay as much as people want to be misogynistic and people want to be sexist and people want you to believe that men are so confident in the bedroom and then women are just like giving it away and they're so gentle and they're waiting till the the sixth or the tenth date like no okay Everyone has things that make them nervous in the bedroom. Everyone is not going to be so, so confident and so, so just like excited to try every little thing. There has to be communication. Number five is if you think it might be an issue with the relationship, you have to talk about the relationship. So as much as you might want to fix the sex, if the issue is to do with trust or like cheating or something where you are just like, I don't want to give you this part of me. I'm not ready to release this part of me because you haven't released to me your emotions or you haven't released to me um, these things that I want in this relationship, then that's got to be worked on first, honey. Because as much as you want to fix the sex, it's not going to be fixed if you are not happy um, and you know, for that might not be true for everybody. You might be happy to just have a breakup and then go have breakup sex and it's amazing and whatever. And I understand that that's a whole thing. Um, but if you're trying to actively grow a relationship with someone and the sex isn't happening and the relationship isn't happening, if you want to stay together, you do have to talk about the actual relationship as well, which to you might seem obvious to some might not. So just thought I would mention it. Next thing I want to talk about, moving into another little area, we're going to talk about two more areas specifically. So next we're going to talk about porn, then we're going to talk about toys, and that's going to be it. So I'm going to be kind of answering the question, first of all, how does porn affect this? And what can I do if I only can orgasm while watching porn? Again, not something to be ashamed of. Very common. Um, it's very likely that if you are in this situation, you have potentially desensitized yourself a little bit. Um, I'm not saying completely and you're always going to be like this, but you have potentially desensitized yourself to just having sex with your partner because a lot of the time with porn it, it's very addictive and it, porn is really not really not good for your brain it is not very good for your brain I I am not a big advocate for watching porn if you do watch porn please watch ethical porn of course um I I don't think it's dirty I don't think it's bad I don't think it's like sinful it's not that I just I know that it can be very addictive and it can put people in situations like the person who would be asking this question um because with porn it can it can feel like it desensitizes you to one thing and then the next thing and by the end of it you are watching like really hardcore porn and you are watching things that you would never even want to potentially do um in with a person and it can really warp your vision of consent um and what sex is like and what forming a deep connection with someone looks like and again there's no judgment towards any of these things um it's just that people really do struggle with porn so i did want to mention it um if this is a struggle for you again not to say oh you, you're not allowed to watch porn but 
maybe it would be good for you to practice some discipline and to try to masturbate, for example, maybe just try masturbating without porn. Um, that can look like fantasizing. That can look like watching yourself. That can look like mutual masturbation. Um, that can look like potentially one of the big issues here is that you haven't disclosed that you watch porn to your partner. Maybe you have been like, no, I don't watch porn, haha, but then you actually do. Um, that can cause, again, a lot of shame. That can make you feel like maybe like you're cheating, which a lot of people would not see porn as cheating, but again, some people do. So you have to have those conversations. Um, and ideally, what you want to do is either kind of wean yourself off of it um, or to really just kind of cut cold turkey. And there are many resources that I could give to you about being able to quit watching porn if that's kind of your goal by the end of this. If you are like, I can only orgasm if I watch porn and I don't like watching porn and I don't like how it makes me feel and I, you don't want it, um, I can give those resources to you, which again will be linked in the resources. Um, there's a website called Fight the New Drug and they have a really good like Instagram page they just share little snippets as well, which is nice if you just want to hear about it, but you don't want to like go on someone's website and like spend all this time. Um, even just following their socials, it's really great for you to just have this knowledge to have the conversation happening on your social media and to just kind of learn about it here and there um, because it's really important. And if you can only orgasm with porn, try explorative masturbation um, and understand that an orgasm doesn't have to be the goal linking all the way back to the very first thing we talked about if your problem is that you can only orgasm with watching porn wouldn't it be interesting if you tried to masturbate without the goal of having an orgasm therefore you didn't need porn do you see what I'm saying so you literally would sit down as you normally would I don't know sit down lay down whatever to masturbate and instead of watching porn being like, you know what, I'm just going to think <laughs> or I'm not going to think um, and I'm just going to focus on myself. I'm going to focus on pleasure. Um, maybe you really watch porn all the time, but you've never really tried using a toy and maybe you just want something to excite you. So maybe you could try investing in getting a toy, some sort of like vibrator or something that you can use to be like, oh, this is something fun. It's exciting for me, but you're actually being able to distance yourself from porn. So that's just a few little tips on that. Um, again, please follow through the links that are linked in the description for this episode if you want to hear more about this. Last thing is talking about toys. You guys know I love sex toys. I really do. I just think we need to normalize it. I think it is a beautiful thing, um, especially for women who struggle to orgasm. Oh my gosh, please do something to like stimulate your clit. Like do it, do, do it. <laughs> it's so worth it. Um, but saying that, some people struggle to not be able to orgasm without toys and Sometimes that can feel frustrating because maybe with a partner, you're not quite comfortable to introduce toys just yet for whatever reason. Again, there can be so many reasons. Maybe you just don't want to, um, or you know, maybe your partner really doesn't like it for whatever reason. Again, I have my opinions on that, but I will hold them back for you know, saving time in this episode. But I think if you are struggling to only orgasm with toys, again, similar to what we do with the porn thing, maybe just taking some time off from using toys. That could be 
actually really fun for you and very interesting. Again, explorative masturbation. It could be you singing in front of a mirror and looking at yourself and touching areas that you wouldn't normally even bother touching because maybe you're used to just going for your toy, grabbing it, putting it straight to your clitoris and just like going right for it and coming in like two minutes. That maybe is, I don't know, maybe that's not you if you're listening to this episode, but I'm saying that sometimes people do struggle with that specific area. So if that's you, try to not use one. Try to not use one for a little bit and maybe introduce them again later. And that's what's really fun about sex is it it shifts and it it changes throughout our life, our lives and it is something that you can really love toys one week and then the next week not want to use any toys. And then the next week you're thinking, oh my gosh, I really want to have sex with somebody. And then the next week you're like, I could care less about having anybody near me. I love myself and my body and I just want to orgasm in my body and that can be that. And it's just, that's what I love about sex and having these conversations is because it is just so open. It is like never ending. You have your whole life to experience sexuality and to learn about sexuality to grow in sexual relationships with people. And again, that can be people or that can just be one person that you can grow a very long lasting sexual relationship with, which can be such a beautiful thing. And again, it can be such a beautiful thing in short-term relationships as well um, and just short sexual experiences with people. And it really is such a beautiful thing, guys. I love this. I I hope you liked today's podcast. I think that's basically all I want to talk about. Um, Hopefully it didn't feel too ranty. I just wanted to make sure um, that I covered as much as I felt like might be kind of follow-up questions that you guys might have had from kind of what I originally wrote for this podcast. And again, if you are struggling with this and you feel like you've tried all of these things, which hopefully you haven't tried all of them, hopefully you still had some extra things in here that felt kind of bonus for you, things that you're like, oh, okay, you know what, I have tried this, this, and this, but I haven't tried like thinking about my breathing or I haven't tried thinking about my position or I haven't tried toys or I haven't tried, you know, whatever. Hopefully this has given you some ideas and hopefully this has encouraged you to talk to your partner or partners about your sex that you're having and what you want to try that might make you experience better feelings, even more pleasure during sex. And if you have any questions or you want to chat about this, please hit me up. You can always DM me over on Instagram. My Instagram is Alyssa Taylor Harper. And that will be linked, of course, in the description as well for this episode. And of course, everything that I talked about as well that I said I would link, I will link in the show notes. And I think that's everything. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you for supporting. If you want to rate and review the podcast, you can actually do it on Spotify now as well. They've just put that out Um, and you can do it on Apple Podcasts, which would be awesome. I really, really appreciate it. And of course, as well, I always say this, but if you guys are comfortable enough to do so, sharing this on your Instagram stories is such a cool way for you to tell your audience that you are learning about these things and you are open and you are there to talk about it with someone who might be struggling with it. Maybe you're not at that place just yet and that's totally fine, but if you are, as I mentioned at the start when I mentioned the stats of how many people are struggling with this, there's a lot of people. And if you can make people aware that you are looking at these topics and you're talking about these topics and you are happy to be a friend to someone who is struggling with this, you could really, really change someone's life. You could really, really change how they end up being able to express themselves sexually just through having healthy, safe, 
communication with them and conversation with them. Um, and let's try to have these conversations, guys. Let's try to bring it up with our friends. Let's ask our friends. Let's have these moments where we're vulnerable and we're just honest with each other because when we can have these conversations, we can all grow together and we can all start to have the education that we really, really needed um, when we were younger that we probably didn't receive in schools or through adults in our life. So anyways, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you soon and have a lovely day. Okay, bye guys. Bye.